Hello and welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about feminism, sexuality, and horror movies. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this and I'm happy to be back. Also wanted to shout out to the Door County Brewing Company. Uh, did a show there last night and they paid me in beer. It was wonderful. And if you're up in Door County, Bailey's Harbor, you should definitely go check it out. Delicious, delicious beer. Uh, so I'm very excited today. We have Elizabeth Gomez with us. She is a Chicago comic and writer, and she's the founding writer of Drinkers with Writing Problems. Elizabeth, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm awesome. Uh, how many are, what kind of projects are you working on these days? Um, I'm doing quite a bit. I have uh, Drinkers with Writing Problems launched a live show last month, um, and then we had one last night, which was super fun. I have uh, recently become a cast member with the Cates. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that's really exciting. Very, very exciting. You um, know, the first episode of Bloody Mary is with Kelsey Huff. I love her. Yeah. She's my she favorite. She's so cool. <laughs> um, I also uh, produce a show called Hilarity at Madame Zuzu's in Highland Park. Um, and I have been recently added to be an associate producer for Story Club Southside. Cool. Yeah, so a lot of things going on that I'm super excited about. That's awesome. Thank you. And you're a very funny lady, so it's no <laughs> surprise that all those projects are happening. Cool. Well, I'm curious, what was the first horror movie you remember seeing? You know, I don't think that I remember seeing a horror movie for the first time. Um, I feel like most of the time people would watch horror movies and I was hiding. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really watching them, but I would think the first one is probably Halloween. Because I still, to this very day, get... Um, like goosebumps when I hear that song. Oh yeah, I hate it. And I hate it. <laughs> That's something I've mentioned before on uh, previous podcasts. Like, oftentimes it is the music that really like gets under my skin and scares me. Like yeah. Twilight Zone, Jaws. It was always Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's I like all too. like those kind of like creepy, suspenseful, thriller kind of movie shows were like more my style. Gore and horror was really tough for me because mm-hmm. I was sensitive. I'm still sensitive, Kristen. Yeah. I don't particularly like gore either. I like a psychological thriller. Yeah, me too. It was interesting what you said about hiding because I feel like I did that a lot as a kid, but it was because I wasn't supposed to be watching it. But like, if I played or pretended to be doing something else, then I could really watch it. My right. parents were like not noticing. So I would... Uh, like, I also remember, like, with Prince passing, like, Purple Rain, I was always trying to watch when my dad would be watching it. Oh, my God, I <laughs> love Purple Rain. I remember, like, my parents and their friends would watch um, movies, and then we'd all, like, pile up behind the couch and, like, peek over. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking about, what was it? We were just talking about horror movies, and you said Purple Rain. And now, now I'm thinking about Prince, and I'm sad. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Captain Bummer over here. <laughs> that is such a sad story. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, horror movies, it's really funny that uh, I don't like them, actually, because I'm a huge fan of true crime and murder. Oh, yeah. I like constantly. Podcasts, books. I love serial killers. I mean, I don't. <laughs> Big number one fan. <laughs> number one fan. Serial killers all the way. Um, yeah, I know. I knew, like, in high school, I read a ton on serial killers, I'm a walking encyclopedia of that kind of stuff, but I can't watch it happening on TV in movies, even like if they're mm-hmm. fake portrayals. It's weird. <laughs> Maybe it's like a sense of control. Like if you're reading it, you can decide, you know, how it looks to you. Mm. Whereas if it's like visual, it's too much. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's also you're saying like the music. Mm. Music really creeps me out from that from the horror films. 
Yeah, that's true too. Like when I'm watching something that is excessively gory, I do have a tendency to be like, oh, phone's out. What's on Facebook? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel better. All right, so uh, this week for us to watch, uh, Elizabeth chose Sleepaway Camp. For those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, Sleepaway Camp is the story of Angela Baker, a traumatized and very shy young girl who is sent to summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, everyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions, and I mean like everyone, gets their comeuppance. And by comeuppance, I mean horribly burned, drowned, or just murdered in some uncomfortable way. So Elizabeth, why did you choose Sleepaway Camp? Um, so I just saw Sleepaway Camp for the first time last Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it's a 1983 film. Mm-hmm. And uh, around Halloween, like my husband and my kids love to watch horror movies, but I can't handle them. So um, I didn't want to revisit any films that I saw when I was a little, like that I knew about when I was little. And um, I couldn't, I knew I couldn't handle anything that's like recent. So they all just agreed that they would watch this like, because, you know, the 80s were kind of a crap time for movies and yeah. things were kind of, uh, innocent and you know cheek pinching and so um we selected that one we watched it and it was i loved it i think it's it's really campy and silly mm-hmm. um the storyline is terrible the dialogue is exaggerated it's like <laughs> what it reminds me of is like john waters like if um Wes Craven and john waters got together and did a film that is 100 percent accurate like, <laughs> yeah. you nailed it that's exactly what it felt like and when I, I had saw it when I was very young, I think maybe like sixth grade or something, like I had a sleepover, and I had forgotten all about it. And then when I put it on that first scene with where you meet the mom mm-hmm. character, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, the aunt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where she's like putting her hands on her cheeks and she's like, that will not do. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this lady is so bizarre. She's like, straight from a John Waters film. For sure, definitely. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was fun to rewatch it, definitely. And like some of these characters, like the aunt, were so ridiculous. Also, like just to give you a warning as listeners, there's a lot of spoilers. We talk about everything here on Bloody Mary. So if you haven't seen it yet, you know, maybe you should stop listening and go watch it. It's on YouTube for free. You can check out this masterpiece. <laughs> Um, so the opening scene, we have Angela and Peter and their dad who are out boating, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's this ridiculous, like long, unnecessarily long scene of them <laughs> being in a boating accident with some stupid teenagers. And like what first moved me is like the water skier, yeah. like who witnesses the accident. Like they don't show you the accident at all. It was probably, you know, like a cost cutting technique so you're just like watching this water skier scream oh my god they're dead they're dead (laughs) for like it felt like five minutes (laughs) Uh, but then you have that like little life vest that floats in the water like it bobs in the water with like blood all over it oh yeah um and i like the the floating dad he's just like you know dead man's float right in the water (laughs) and he's just watching his body just go across the screen worst it's the worst and the reaction of like everybody who's in the film is just they seem so shocked but like in a really over exaggerated yeah like everyone is shocked but no one is doing anything right (laughs) (laughs) 
like, yeah, they were hit by a boat, but maybe they could still be alive. You know? Yeah, and there's no blood in the water. Yeah. It's crystal clear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, was a, it was cheesy right from the get-go. And uh, what I didn't realize when I was re-watching it is that the dad is actually at the beach with his lover. Yes. And um, apparently having a gay dad is traumatizing. <laughs> Don't go to the beach with your dad and your gay lover. He's gay <laughs> lover. You'll end up dead on a boat. Horrible, horrible things will happen. Uh, so yeah, so then, uh, unfortunately, dad dies. We think that the brother dies. And we're left with Angela, who is carted off to this weird auntie's house. And uh, I, I'm, should we talk about it now, or should we? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, <laughs> well, the interesting thing is it's... Uh, you know, like, the, the kids come down the stairs, and at first you're like, who's who? Mm-hmm. Because you're not sure who died. Which, yeah. Which, which of the little kids died, the boy or the girl. And so having a boy and girl come down the stairs, you're a little bit misled mm-hmm. that you're like, I'm not sure which one's who until she starts talking to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I realized the foreshadowing of the show, of the mo- rest of the movie, is so ridiculous. Like, they're getting ready to go to camp. And um, they need to have their medical records. And the aunt, I guess, is a doctor? <laughs> she says she is. Right. She's um, like, don't, don't let them know where you got these medical records. Yeah. That would not do. You passed your physical. <laughs> yeah. We just got to dive into it. Angela is actually Peter. And this crazy mother has been raising him as a girl because having another boy simply wouldn't do. <laughs> And re- I watched it, I actually watched it twice this week, um, just because I'm a professional, you know. Yeah. Um, and because it's crazy fun. And it is, yeah. <laughs> like, it just, you have it on YouTube, it's free, it's there, you know, it's good to have in the background. Um, but re-watching it, I'm kind of thinking that Ricky knew, right? He, yeah. He totally knew, because, like, the things he's saying in the beginning to his mom, like, about the physicals, he's like, I won't let anyone know. And like, <laughs> well, what the hell are, the first time I watched it, I was like, what the hell are these people talking about? Right. And then it's like, oh. And then he's super protective of her. Yeah, for sure. Like, he, you know, he doesn't want her to have to deal with any of this, which I think is actually very endearing for his character, mm-hmm. is, like, how protective he is of his, like, fake sister brother. Yeah. It was interesting, too, like, how protective he was of his sister, but what an asshole he was to other women. Yes. (laughs) To Judy. Judy is probably one of my favorite, like, love-to-hate kind of characters. (laughs) And, you know, that she was actually going to be, that character was going to be played by Jane Krakow from 30 Rock. What, really? Yeah. Um, Which I just, now that I know that, I kept picturing Jenna as that (laughs) character. (laughs) But, yeah, Judy was amazing. She's such an amazing bitch. Yeah. Well, she's definitely that, like, I want to be the center of everyone's attention. And then even if I can't have all, even though I don't want that guy, Mm -hmm. if someone else is paying attention, if he's paying attention to another girl, I want that. For sure. I feel, oh, she, I, mm, I went to middle school with so many girls like Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I also love, uh, I think you pointed this out, it's like, why is she like 45 and yeah. like, at this kid's camp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, she's super mature, like really weirdly mature. And But I also like how they speak throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, their dialogue is, is really cheesy, but the way that they're doing their cheesy dialogue makes it even worse. Oh, yeah. You know, um, whereas it's always like, 
Bye, guys. <laughs> I'll see you at the hall. Yeah, later. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> like, yeah, it did feel very 80s in that aspect. And I really liked the, all the unnecessary swearing. Like, it did remind me of, like, when you're a middle schooler and you finally get a little bit of freedom. So you're just like, oh, I swear. I swear so much. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> and uh, you just come off sounding ridiculous. Yeah, look at the look at the ass, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, like or when they were talking when they get first get to camp. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this. Uh, the the chef oh, who God. gets his due. I'm so glad. Yeah, but uh, when he's like, look at those baldies. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so the, gross. Uh, the head chef of summer camp is open about being pedophile. To his co-workers. And yes. his co-workers are just like, oh, you're so silly. Yeah. Like, no, he's talking about raping children. Like, right. You know, Fresh young chickens is how he refers <laughs> to them. Fresh young chickens. Yeah. Doesn't it make your mouth water? He's <laughs> like, what the fuck? And he's out there, like, in this field where it's like there's no, and nothing that, like, is going to prevent the sound of his mouth <laughs> <laughs> going anywhere. And that gets even really fun, though, because... Uh, when he gets into the, the freezer with Angela, mm-hmm. and you're a little nervous for Angela, mm-hmm. and he starts to, to make his way toward her, and he gets caught by the by her brother. I love that scene, too, because the, the dialogue's so stupid. Mm-hmm. He, like, grabs the kid, and he's like, don't tell anyone who you, what you saw here. Yeah. You, know? you didn't see nothing. You, you didn't, didn't see, see nothing, kid. But don't tell anyone what you saw, because you didn't <laughs> see nothing. You felt that scene coming, because yeah. it was like they served Angela up on a platter to him. Like, <laughs> when they brought her back, they were like, she's so quiet and shy, she just won't talk at all, and she won't eat. Maybe you could fix her something. <laughs> it's like, right. she'll never tell. She doesn't talk at all. Here you go. And then I love the counselor. The counselor who, who takes her to to the basically the pedophile chef. Yeah. Is, uh, he's wearing like those like horrible orange shorts and the cutoff oh, yes. t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> You're just like, why? I was like, why? Is, I don't think that's even appropriate for you to be wearing around kids. Not at all. And it's funny, like, they, they frequently made comments to each other. Because it's an 80s movie, so they would make a lot of homophobic comments to each other, yeah. like, to cut each other down, but yet they were wearing half shirts and, like, <laughs> <laughs> just dressed so provocatively. It was real weird. The other character in the kitchen was Ben, who I absolutely hated. Made me feel really uncomfortable, because he is, like, one of the, I think one of the only people of color in the film that actually gets lines. Right. And he's just so, like, subservient to anyone around him he actually like got under my skin so much i googled him guess who his son is who james earl jones shut up yeah that's his dad oh my god <laughs> that is crazy well the only people of color are um all working in the kitchen under ben yeah mm-hmm. and then it's funny because pedophile chef dies and ben is part of that and then this like old white guy comes in mm-hmm. to talk to these like older black men who are only working in the kitchen. Yeah. And, and he's he's like, just don't tell anybody what you saw and I'll give you a raise. Yeah, for sure. Which, uh, like, struck me because, like, in my personal life, I used to do a lot of uh, investigating OSHA reports, you know, for workplace accidents. And, like, that made me so angry. It's like, oh, he would make people, like, cover up an accident. What a <laughs> shitty boss. He's going to be a bad guy. I just know it. So the, the other fun part about the chef dying is when he's, like, over this boiling pot of water, and Angela has come in to kill him, basically. But you don't know who she is yet, because you, they haven't revealed the serial killer. 
But he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Knowing that it's mm-hmm. his impending death. And yeah. then his resolution is, I'll make you an ice cream sundae if you leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how I was going to molest you? How about some ice cream instead? It'll be fine. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't understand. I felt like there was kind of like a, a lapse in reality with the film because even if Angela is a boy... He's still, like, a 12-year-old boy. Like, right. How He did so many murders where he's not that strong, you know? <laughs> how did this happen? Well, I feel like maybe because they were all surprises, right? Like, the boiling water was just pulling the chair out from underneath the, the chef. That's true. You know, the stabbing in the back in the shower was terrible. Oh, that one was terrible. Well, they actually used uh, Ricky's hands for that, I guess, because the character who's playing... Or, Angela, who is actually played by a young woman, uh, her hands look too delicate. So they wanted, um, like, veiny hands. Yeah. The other thing I read about the accident with the chef is that those paramedics that were coming are the real paramedics from the town. What? Yeah, and that summer camp is actually the exact summer camp that the uh, writer and director went to as a child. Oh, so, that's like, so interesting. Yeah, it's like a journey into his uh, hometown, I guess. Also, I'm so glad I never went to camp. Yeah. <laughs> I never did either. Yeah. I was always like, I don't want to go to camp. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And all and in the 80s, that's where all the murders happen. For sure. You're yeah. right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe my mom knew that, and that's why I was never sent to camp. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember being jealous, though, like, of kids going to summer camp. Oh, really? I would never. I was just like, I don't, I don't want to be in the woods ever. That's true. I was always scared of the woods, too. I always wanted to be in the city. Yeah, me I too. I felt like in the woods, no one can hear you. No one can help you. And then there's like a real life, like a real life um, Girl Scouts murder. I feel like it was in Ohio. But they were off in a camp and several girls got murdered. <laughs> Little really? girls, yeah. Holy mm-hmm. shit, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, that was years, I mean, decades ago, I think. I, I feel like maybe it was, like, late 70s, early 80s. But I feel like that, and then, like, there's the camp with Jason, right? And there's sleepaway mm-hmm. camp. Mm-hmm. And then there was, I feel like there's one more. I can't remember. Yeah, there's probably a ton. Who else do we have? There's Peter, who is, like, besides Ricky, like, the only one that's actually nice to Angela. Because he wants to get in her pants. Yeah. He's very and, attracted to her. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of consent issues in this movie. <laughs> like with um, Richie and Judy. Like ca- him calling Judy a stuck up bitch because she developed. And now she's talking to older boys and won't talk to him. Right. And then with Peter, every time that he would try to like make a move, Angela would shut him down. And then they would fight. And then he'd say, I'm sorry, and then try to make a move again. <laughs> it's like, Peter, you're a little shitbag, aren't you? Yeah, but I also feel like Judy, was. she was kind of also having problems with consent. She was basically like, I am going to get you back. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, you are going to be my boyfriend again mm-hmm. until I'm not interested. You know, like, until I get you, then I'm done. Yeah. And, like, she would turn on people so quickly. Like, oh, yeah. There were so many times in the movie where someone would, like, disagree with her, and she'd just be like, fuck you. <laughs> It's like quick to anger. Uh, What I really hated about Judy, though, was like she really brought out that idea of competition in women. Yeah. And like that idea that we're supposed to be competitive with one another. 
and like always try to undermine another woman's happiness or like in some way. She was just her and Meg together. Meg, we didn't right. So I was gonna say because this those two are like the epitome of like every eighties movie mm-hmm. that you ever saw about women. You know what I mean? It was yes. just like these like bitchy stuck up broads. Um, my favorite line though in, that Judy has is when she's she's like she's had enough of Angela. And she can't deal with her. And so she has, like, this breakdown in the bunk room where she's just, like, mad. And she's she wants her to talk, and she won't talk. And she says, yeah. you're a real carpenter's dream. <laughs> Flat as a board and needs a screw. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, who wrote that? He's a genius. Yeah, it was great. That scene was so weird, too, because Meg, who is the counselor, really enjoyed ragging on Angela with Judy. Yeah. And she's supposed to be the... Uh, you know, the adult-ish figure, and she's just, like, tormenting this girl. Like, picks her up and throws her into a lake. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Uh, Also, that was the scene, like, um, Mel, the camp owner, who is the scumbag, was fighting with Ricky, and then Meg was throwing Angela into the lake, and it was like, if you'd been a parent walking in on this camp, you'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know why Mel had such a, like... Why he picked Ricky to be the one that he's, he's like, that's definitely the murderer. Yeah. You know, obviously the writers weren't thinking too clearly because there's no reason that Ricky, there's nothing Ricky does that initiates those kind of feelings for Mm -hmm. Mel. And he's tiny. Right. He's like a little boy. It was ridiculous. Uh, Also really creepy, um, Mel and Meg. Remember that when uh, Meg was like, ooh, I'm off tonight. How oh. about that dinner at your house? Yes. It's like, what? That was gross. Yeah, Meg is like 16. Mel is easily 60, maybe. <laughs> like, I'm wearing black socks and blue shorts. Yeah, he, he looks like an elderly Jewish man. Yeah. And just, um, ah, that made me real uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know why they wrote that in. That was so unneeded. Well, I think that probably is like that whole complex of, of um, and I feel like this was big too in the 80s, it's like, Younger, younger women with older men. Oh, I guess it's true through the, the history of the world. Yeah, it's you know? gross. And her having, yeah, and her having like daddy issues. I also, uh, I love the scene where they do a flashback of Angela's memories before all the big murders, mm-hmm. and we we see her. Um, it's a weird scene because there's not really a reason that they put it in. Like it doesn't seem to uh, very easily flow into each other. The scenes before that and the scene after. But uh, she has these flashback of her dad in bed with her dad with his lover, mm-hmm. and it's like they're these middle aged, slightly bald men who aren't that attractive. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and they're like in bed, and um, her father's just kind of like leaning over his lover and you know sweeping back his hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a really long time focusing on that. Mm-hmm. And then they switch over to like her in bed with her brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what's happening there. Because they're not, like, touching each other, but they're kind of having this weird thing together. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was confused by that scene as well, because when the children were watching the two men be intimate, it felt kind of endearing in a way, because they were, like, giggling, like, Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to be here, we know that. But they weren't like, gross, our dad is gay. They're like, hee-hee, they're kissing. (laughs) And then when they were in bed together, like, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, the scene ends with one of them pointing at the other one. Yeah, but... And I was wondering if that is, like... Maybe saying, like, you're gay, you're like dad. Because uh, that's right before she's going to kiss Peter, 
or right. is kissing Peter. Right? right. I mean, not Peter. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, use your computer. <laughs> yeah. But that's right. The scene before Angela begins kissing the boy. Angela, who is actually Peter, is probably having like conflicted feelings because she is actually a he, but maybe attracted to this boy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just I didn't get the scene because they're sitting cross-legged across from each other as little kids, mm-hmm. and it was hard for me to understand the vision. Right. Like <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on between these two kids. Because at first you're kind of like, are they going to do something sexually with each other? Mm-hmm. Or are they having, are they just showing us that they're bonded somehow and we're missing, like, I don't get it. Oh, I didn't think about that. Maybe yeah. like there's an incest vibe in there too. Who knows? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought she, like, you know, it, it was, it seemed innocent enough. I just didn't, I didn't understand its, pur- its purpose. But then when everything gets revealed... I feel like I feel like it, it got really weird too after that because like when Judy when Judy dies and they bring out that hair she brings out the hair the curling iron oh and yeah and I'm like I'm not sure I have a guess of what was going on there but I was also very horrified by that idea yeah it ugh, yeah um, the curling iron scene was horrendous but they didn't show you anything so like maybe she was just doing her bangs you know. <laughs> Well, they put the pillow over her head. Yeah. And so you know that she's like leaning this pillow over her head. Mm-hmm. And then she takes the curling. And all you see are the shadows of the curling iron and the like being like lifted and then disappears. It's very heavily insinuated that this curling iron went into Judy's vagina, I think is yeah. what they're saying. And it's so incredibly violent. And you're right. Like you don't see anything. It's just what our assumption is. Mm-hmm. And it's frightening it is um and then you spend a whole minute just watching her uh shadow of her hand like lifting up (laughs) (laughs) she's crying and oh that's terrible yeah and then like the body just gets dumped under the bed (laughs) no one will see this here (laughs) i was never sure if this movie knew how hilarious it really was i was like does this director know that he's like a John Waters knockoff right now, or is it like, is he serious? So I'll be honest that throughout the whole film, I was, I was pretty well entertained, and I thought it was super cute and funny, and I was laughing a lot. But the scene when Angela's revealed to be her brother mm-hmm. was incredibly shocking, mm-hmm. because in a million years I wouldn't have thought that was was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like that she flipped, and all of a sudden her hair. It's like, and I can't tell, like, her hair's like a big lion, and I can't tell if the body is her body, like, whose body is it, and they just, like, pasted Angela's face onto it. They did that, actually. Yeah, Because I was curious, too, so I researched it. The the naked Angela, I'm putting air quotes up, is actually just a college kid that they found and paid him to be naked with Angela's. They made a latex mask of Angela's face, and they are like do this and they got him drunk first <laughs> yeah and I uh, I do remember like the first time I saw it being totally blown away and like it's such an unexpected twist but now as an adult rewatching it like it's kind of silly to think that like you know so many times in movies this trope appears of like someone is 
you know, like a nonconformist in some way in their gender identity. So they go around killing everybody. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a, it's a really big disconnect from reality. But I, I also think there's a big psychological issue for Angela, right? Like mm-hmm. she was born. It doesn't seem like she was necessarily struggling with her sexuality as much as she was like, I'm not this thing that you're presenting. I'm not this person you're presenting. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And you're forcing me to do that, which I feel like was a very um, common uh, theme in the eighties for all sorts of things, you know, because in the eighties, especially like if you were like the rebel or the girl who wore all black at high school, you were Mm -hmm. just kind of a different person. Or if you think about like um, the TV shows we were watching, which like family ties, you know, you had the the really good, good kid who was like the re- super Republican. Mm-hmm. And then you had the one that was like kind of a slacker that everyone was concerned about. And then you'd always have a, ki- a cute kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, I feel like in the 80s, a lot of people were struggling with this idea of being these, these slightly rebellious badasses. But they were never, you know, you look back at the 80s, you're like, that was so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? For sure. And I think for Angela, it, w- it was a really interesting thing to be, fo- you know, there was nothing that indicated to us in the beginning of the film that he wasn't comfortable with his sexuality. It was just more that this woman has decided that that's what he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are three sleepaway camp movies. Uh, it's, I always am amazed when people remake movies like that. I know. Uh, well, actually, it's like one, two, and three are all Angela as she gets older. I guess in... What, really? Yeah. I guess in part two, she's a camp counselor. And then I'm not sure what she is in the third one, but, like, you'd think everyone would notice, like, all these kids dying in the vicinity of Angela. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, how did she get out of, like, how did she get out of whatever institution she must have been in? I don't know. We'll have to watch. Oh, God. (laughs) To regroup next month. This is a lifestyle now. Yeah, because she must have have gone to, there's no way she couldn't have gone to jail. Yeah, she's too young. Oh, maybe. But if you kill, like, 17 people in yeah. a camp, does that law apply? <laughs> They're like, ah, just get out of here, you wacky <laughs> right. kid. Go be a boy. You'll be fine. You'll stop murdering people. That's stop what her diagnosis is. Yeah. So is Angela, she's still pretending to be a, a woman? or Yeah, the covers are her, and she looks quite provocatively sexy in them as well. Well, of course. So, yeah. she's, a, she's a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to watch those and figure out the life of Angela. And uh, I also read that her partner is in that band CYK. I don't know that band. Oh, they do a lot of uh, they did a lot of music for Jackass and uh, the movies as well. So apparently, she's great. I also watched an interview with the woman who played the aunt. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And as an actress, it felt like she could not have cared less about her role in Sleepaway <laughs> Camp. <laughs> like she went to a uh, they had like kind of like a cult midnight viewing of the film and they invited her and she was just absolutely shocked at how many people were there she was like people care about this movie what the hell (laughs) well i mean when you watch it it's so it is really like camp love i i just i have a big thing for campy i love cheesy Mm -hmm. lines i love puns i love all that crap and um watching it it's it's, again thinking that it's going to be something that frightens you it is not. <laughs> oh, yeah. And some parts are outright funny. Like, um, the one camp counselor that was nice to Angela, who was, like, Meg's counterpart. Yeah, the dude. Um, the, there was the dude, and then there was the other lady who was kind of just, like, a plain Jane. Oh, was she yeah. the one with, with the dude at the end of it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a scene, though, where um, Angela had been sitting out from volleyball, and so she goes over to her, and she's like... 
is there anything you want to do? Maybe go sailing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how half your family was brutally killed? You want to do that? (laughs) Like, come on, they had to have known that line is hilarious. And currently, my kitty Shatara is rubbing her head on the mic. She loves the podcast. She's a wavy. Yeah. Get out of here. So I know we already discussed the curling iron scene, but are there any other moments in the film that really uh, jumped out at you? I think that was the, the, the worst. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I also was, um, when I was rewatching it uh, this week, I saw um, when they were doing, with the part where the kid drowned, like she drowns the one boy, mm-hmm. and he's like laying there, and when they discover his body, the snake comes out of his mouth. Oh, yeah. I guess I never noticed that before, which is also like, how did you not notice that before? But. <laughs> Yeah, which is hilarious because he had been uh, the night before teasing the girl that he went in that canoe with about right. like, snakes are going to get you. And then, <laughs> oh, look at you, buddy. Yeah, good one, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did a nice job there. She's like, I'll show them. But yeah, some of the things she was murdering for, it just felt so uh, minuscule. Yeah, juvenile. Yeah, like she got hit with a water balloon, bam. Those guys are dead. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, the only justifiable death seems to be uh, the guy who tried to molest her. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I can get behind that one. And <laughs> that she didn't even deserved. kill him. She just, you know, maimed him for life. <laughs> <laughs> and the makeup that they use during the film is so silly. Mm-hmm. Like, he has this, like, yellowy... Like, they're not even blisters. It's just, like, they put, like, fake skin on top of fake skin. Yeah, it kind of looks texture. like, you know, when you rub rubber cement around a little yeah. bit? Like, it gets weird and gross. Yeah. Oh, the other scene that kind of pissed me off was the bee murder. Oh, yes! Yeah, like, Angela elaborately trapped someone in a bathroom stall and then fed a beehive in through a window. But, like, dude... Crawl under the stall, you know? (laughs) But there were so many bees. Yeah, but there was also like two feet under the stall to crawl under. I also love the, uh, his bee stings were all like super bloody, which I was like, (laughs) I think usually they're just like bumps, right? They're not easily so. And his whole head is just like covered. That was another interesting thing. Like, why is his head covered in bees, but the rest of his body is not? Yeah, it was bizarre. I did think a lot of the times the children were better actors than the adults in this film. Well, there's no question. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, I think uh, I think the film is just really just delightful in its in its silliness. Mm-hmm. And um, so far as like feminism in the film and like how women are treated throughout the film, I will say that it's probably true for any '80s movies that they were treated pretty much similarly. Yeah, like, could we uh, we could just talk for a moment about film in the eighties? Yeah, holy shit! Yeah, like rewatching so many things, I'm shocked we're not all monsters. I know from growing up in the eighties. Well, I think it's a, a tough thing because um, there are certain there are certain things that I remember in the eighties that you were told. Uh, for example, if you are a power woman, shoulder pads. Oh yeah. That was the way to go. For sure. Shoulder pads, red suit, all the time. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to be um, super sexy, you would always end up in a rape scene. Oh, God. Right? Mm -hmm. Or you'd end up in a scene where you're, like, working, and then your boss is, like, he cannot resist your body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your big shoulder pads, red suit. Those shoulder pads are too sexy, lady. But as teenagers, like, the girls who were teenagers and portraying young ladies, it was always, like, they're so naive 
you know, silly and um, very like bouncy, curly haired and would talk like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And giggle um, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I'm trying to just think of like 80, like 80s teen films where I really enjoyed any of the female characters. And I honestly can't come up with one. No. Um, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like 80s films also, like the relationships between men and women were so disgusting like it was perfectly acceptable to chase a woman to grab a woman to grab her top uh like i'm thinking like i think it was revenge of the nerds yeah you know where they would just like run around and grab bikini tops because that's not sexual assault (laughs) break into people's houses and steal their underwear yeah yeah i mean the only i'm trying to think like i loved um what's her name lily Oh, God. What is wrong with my memory today? Lily um, Tomlin? No. But she, it was uh, Say Anything, mm. which I think is an interesting love story in general because um, I love that in that f- film, Ioni Skye, uh, her, she, you know, she's living with her dad, and um, that she really gets to make a lot of the decisions around the house and that her father is like so trustworthy. like He trusts her to do things. Like If, my, if I went out even on prom night and spent the whole night oh, yeah, out, my dad. mother would kill me. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see at that time to have this uh, situation where the father was like, I trust you. I believe in the decisions you have. I believe in what you're going to do. I think that you're going to make good decisions, and I just am worried about you. Like, that was a really weird, strange um, strange thing for anyone to say back then. Uh, but it, there's a the side character who is um, John Cusack's best friend. Mm-hmm. She's always like, you should love Lloyd Dobler, and she played the guitar. Do you mm-hmm. remember her? I have vaguely. Oh, God, I can't remember her last name, but I loved her. Anyway, she was probably the one character that I can remember from the 80s where I was like, okay, she's cool lady. She's not a total right, piece she's of not, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she writes her own music. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like maybe in the 90s, you know, we, we started seeing, you know, better female characters in terms of, like, these teen movies. Well, and 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 in the 80s they always they were making women. They were constantly making women. Oh, for sure. Like weird, weird science. Yes. Or mannequin like this idea of a statue that's perfect. <laughs> it's like the perfect woman. You know what? So many and this like I I still see in movies today and it pisses me off. In movies today you'll see a couple pursuing one another, but it's only because they're attractive. Right. They haven't talked. They haven't like gotten to know each other at all. It's always just a man being like, "She's so beautiful. <laughs> I love her." And then like, you know, goes crazy, mad with desire for her. And it's like, "You don't fucking know her." My all. favorite are like the trip movies. Like wherever the two couples are together, one trips or falls and like mm. or like drops something and all of a sudden they're like I love you. Oh, my God. You helped me pick up my book. I love it, too. I'm like, wow. Hollywood thinks we're just a bunch of dumb idiots. Yeah. There's a whole industry for it, though. People love it. (laughs) Yeah. People love it. I suppose there's even a name for it. The meat cute. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. I hate that name. This is why I love horror movies, you know? Like, maybe you don't like a character. They'll be dead in a little while. It doesn't. (laughs) It's no big deal. Although eighty in, in the eighties, I feel like all the all the women in those films were all in horror movies were always super sexy. Oh yeah, short I'm just shorts, big out hair. Out for a walk in the woods in my high heels. <laughs> and all the virgin sacrifices, like the first time they're finally gonna do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so sad for so many of those women. <laughs> Honestly, though, your first time is never good anyway. So maybe it they never were is good. <laughs> 
had my first time in my mom's waterbed. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. There was mirrored canopy to it. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, fun time. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. My first time. Yeah, I was in an older boy's apartment. And, he, oh, God. He went and t- he took me to this horrible, horrible movie. Then we got Hardee's. Hardee's? <laughs> And then we had awful, awful sex. <laughs> and then he drove me home and we were just silent. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see a Hardee's, I think about Brett. <laughs> Do they still have them? I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I remember liking their curly fries. Those were good. Yeah, I'd be into that. <laughs> I do feel like Sleepaway Camp and 80s movies in general were so like entrenched in the idea of identity. Like you were talking about earlier. Uh, like you look and dress a certain way, so that's who you are. Right. Like that's what you're defined as. And I feel like it was really important in the 80s as well. I remember my mom always getting mad at me like... Because when I was a teenager, I'd have, like, green hair or, like, you know, look like a little punk rock kid. And she'd always be like, people are going to think I'm a bad mom. Yeah. You know, because, like, I guess growing up in that time, it was like you did wear your identity for people to judge you. Um, I like to think we're not as much like that anymore now. I, I do think we're like that. And I think we're yeah. just the opposite. <laughs> you know, now everyone wants to be the cool mom. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like it just, it's always changing. Like, people are just constantly struggling with our identity. I think in the 80s it was a little bit it was a little bit heightened because I mean we were really coming out of in the 70s, right? Like women couldn't even have their own credit cards. So by the Whoa. 80s it was like you I mean this is not long ago, right? So then in the 80s you're dealing with women who were um, really trying to get ahead in the workforce. There are lots of people who were getting divorced. I mean, um, having been a child of the 80s, I remember, and being a latchkey kid, which mm. I was, I said latchkey kid to someone the other day, and they're like, what is that? And I was like, oh, right, because now it's just normal. Yeah. But in the 80s, it was a big deal, and they used to run these commercials about how you couldn't, like, you, you, you as the child should never feel bad about your parents' divorce. It's never your fault. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, this little boy in a bedroom with, like, the door is half open, so there's like a light that like lights his face while he's crying, and oh. his parents are fighting in another room, <laughs> just sitting in the dark, yeah. <laughs> you know, rocking back and forth, repeating his name. No, <laughs> so it, it was a, it was about that, and then I think you know the Reagans at the time mm-hmm. were. I mean, you had an actor as president. I mean, he talk about like perfect looking couple and a perfect like suits and everything was like well tailored. And they were fighting against drugs and the evil of, of America. And, and I think um, it, it was reflective in our culture. It does kind of feel like we are there a little bit right now. Yeah. I mean, like Trump coming out and like running has just like awoken a lot of like scary things in me. Like, oh, right. You see the parallel between that time and now. I think especially like with this, the rhetoric Trump is stirring up about like, make America great again. Well, what does that mean? You know, like there's racist undertones into what he's saying as well, especially like with all the anti-Muslim rhetoric. Yeah, it does. And he hates Mexicans. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus What happened? They they all worked at your factory. I know. When did you turn on them? What's so ridiculous about Trump is that he's got all these like protectionist trade policies that he wants to put forward about like American jobs, blah, blah, blah. But, like, he's the poster child for corporate outsourcing and, like, sending your factories overseas to, like, become sweatshops. So it's like, what the fuck, America? (laughs) I just, I really don't think he even shows up for work. Like, I think he just, like, 
rides in, around in a plane and everyone's just like, we've got it handled. Yeah. You know? Just go be an idiot. Yeah, I think the, the hard thing with that even is the idea that the support for Trump, for mm-hmm. me, has been shocking. Yeah. And what's hurtful about that, like what, I mean, what really literally pains my heart about it is that I realize how alive racism is, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that I've been, I live in a progressive city and a lot of my friends are progressive. And so I never really think about it, you know, until like this. I know like I have, I deal with issues day to day because I'm, you know, Korean and Puerto Rican. So I don't look like a lot of people and a lot of people will, will say weird things to me and whatever. But to see that most of our country actually is so incredibly racist mm-hmm. or would support somebody who is so incredibly racist and outwardly, openly, like, we should start burning crosses again kind of racist. Yeah. Is, it's heartbreaking. I can't, I can't even think about it. Like, it just crushes my soul in that way. It is terrifying because you want to think, like, as a society, we've made gains. But, like, these people just don't go away. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I, I heard the Democratic debate. They were saying something about, like, how they were so excited to see young people come forward because that's what's going to move this country to a more progressive place is young people's involvement in politics. And I just, like, you know, racists can be young, too. Like, right. They're still out there. They're, it's, you know, it's scary that it's not just an aging thing. Like, as soon as these people die off, it'll be done. It's really disappointing to see young people talk like that. It's, uh, I was actually uh, part of the Trump protest out at UIC, and, like, seeing the Trump supporters terrified me because they were so young. Yeah. I'm like, what are you, uh, who are you, you know? And what like, are you looking for in leadership from him? Exactly. Like, people are like, he's going to put the, it's like he has bankrupted, gotten, how many bankruptcies is he filing for mm-hmm. in his life? His projects die out constantly. He screws people on projects that people have invested in for him that he never completes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is about him that people are like, Yes, he is the one. Yeah. He is the one. You know, I have a theory, uh, and I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist sometimes, but I think the Republicans picked him to run to make Ted Cruz look normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I really I really believe either, you know, Trump is going to drop out and they're going to nominate Paul Ryan from the floor at their convention, or Cruz is going to take that space. Right. I really don't think Trump will actually go through with it. I think that he, the more attention he gets, the, the higher he gets. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like as long as people are still saying that they support him and love him, yeah. he's, he's going to keep going. Yeah, and that's why I felt kind of problematic with the anti-Trump rally, because it was like, I feel like he picked that spot to stir that up. Right. It's like, really, you're going to come into our city, Chicago, like, pro-immigrant, pro-union, like, we're a fucking sanctuary city, and you're going to bring that racist shit here? You right. know we're going to go crazy. Like, right. But, you but know, also, that a, you it, can't just let someone like that come in and not make a statement against right. it, you know? So For sure. And then I think, though, the, um, there is a whole thing it, when he got that sign, even for the Trump Towers, Ugh. and the city was going, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Get it down. And his, his, like, complete lack of respect for anybody or anything around him. Yeah. It's incredible. For those of you outside of Chicago, we have a big, ugly building downtown with <laughs> Trump written on it. It's disgusting. Right on our river. Yeah. Our beautiful riverside. <laughs> but no ruined. one wants to sleep in it. <laughs> <laughs> like swimming. <laughs> the river with all the dead bodies from the mob day. Yeah. Seriously, don't go in the river. <laughs> 
Actually, in my hometown in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we have like all the paper mills there, and you can't swim in our river either. You get um, what we refer to as the itch. Oh my god! And like, <laughs> it's like a weird rash if you don't like shower directly after you've been in the water. So when I uh, first moved to Chicago, I was with a friend, and we rode up to Evanston near the lake. And uh, we went skinny dipping, and when I came out of the water, because it's dark, uh-huh. I was, like, walking, and I felt, like, this crunchiness under my feet. And I got to a light, and I could see all these dead fish oh. on the shore, because there's a fish in, like, yeah. Michigan that dies every few years, just, like, comes up on shore. I think they're the starlings or sterlings yeah, or maybe. something. Yeah, And they come up, and well. they, like, just pass out and die. <laughs> it's like, this is disgusting. I hate Chicago. You know, maybe nature is trying to tell us something. <laughs> The whole species is killing itself. Right. Maybe we're not on the right path, guys. Were there any other, like, final moments from sleepaway camp that you feel like we didn't cover that we really need to? I don't think so. I mean, it's not that complex of a film. It's pretty heady. (laughs) You know, I, I think it's just so enjoyable. And like you said, it's a great film to just put on the, like... In the background, or if you're just like, I just want to see something kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I will say that the, that last, because we didn't really talk about that last scene build up, but like, oh yeah, that last scene when she turns around, I mean, it did freak me the fuck out the first time I did. Can I say fuck? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, that did freak me the fuck out for the the first time I saw it because I just could not understand what had just happened. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I remember the first time I saw it being like, oh, yeah, of course, that's why she murdered everybody. She's, <laughs> she's got a dick. She's a dude, but she's not a dude. Ah! And, like, now isn't it, I don't know. Like, it's, it's problematic to me because it's, like, that trope pops up in horror a lot of, like, weird gender identity. Now I'm going to kill everybody. And, um, like, it kind of, like, shook me to think about how many movies it is in. Like, yeah. Psycho is one of my favorite movies. And then I thought about it, and I was like, oh. But that, yeah, it's not entirely about gender identity, though. Like, it's it's a, a, a recipe of, like, different mental health issues. But um, also, but- that kind of makes me feel guilty for liking it, too, because it's, like... These people have mental health issues that are not addressed at all. Right. And, like, <laughs> Definitely the aunt does not. And she's a doctor. She's a doctor. <laughs> Heavens. She should know better. She's a doctor. <laughs> Part of me wonders, like, obviously it's a horror movie. People are slashing each other. But, like, it's not, you know, going to be moralistic. But also, like, are we being weirdly voyeuristic with people's emotional health and and mental health issues and like demonizing them right you know for sure i also think that that's uh during the 80s it was such a hard time for people to understand gay for some reason like yeah it was really difficult so like it's a weird thing in sleepaway camp when you have that scene with the two dads or with the dad and his lover you're just like where'd that come from why are you putting that in the film why does it really matter at the end i'm not sure what that's saying like it's very confusing for me i uh remember in the 80s too uh i don't know if you've ever you remember this, but there was a, when AIDS was starting to happen, like mm-hmm. when the reports for AIDS was happening, uh, they used to call it GRIDS, which is gay-related immune deficiency syndrome. Ooh. Yeah. And I remember it's supposed to, like, because I was little, and I remember it being, like, the most, like, the scariest thing on TV is when they would talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I mean, at first, that's basically what they were calling it out as. It's like, this is only for people who are gay. And it's the only way you'll get it. And there was also films that were the reflective of that. Uh, there's a film called, with Al Pacino, and it's called, um, oh, it's called Cruisin'. So there's, yeah, so there's this film called Cruisin'. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino plays a cop who has to go undercover because, like, he, he, there's a serial killer loose in the gay community. So he has to go undercover. And in the 80s, it was always like this. All the guys who were gay in films were always, like, in bondage. <laughs> this is just Ron so Halford right. constantly walking around. <laughs> just walk. So he has to go undercover as a cop in, like, this gay bondage clubs. And there was another one, too, that uh, I, I loved called Making Love with Kate Jackson and Harry Hamlin, where they're, like, a married couple. And he, uh, he turns away from her because he falls in love with a man. And they always try things that are super kinky because that's apparently, that's apparently the lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> Tie each other up, Leather. have sex, and break up marriages. <laughs> Is there any projects you'd like to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a super fun show here. Uh, by the way, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love it if people would come out to Drinkers with Writing Problems the last Friday of every month. And you can find out about us at www.drinkerswithwritingproblems. Also, check out the Kates at kates.org. And uh, we hope to see you soon at any of those shows. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming and talking about Sleepaway Camp with me. It was fun. And that was Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Yeah.